and we're back. Welcome to No Direction Beyond, your Starfinder news, reviews, and interviews podcast. I'm Alexander Agunis, No Direction's very own everyman gamer, and I'm joined, as always, by the most intrepid and persistent Starfinder this side of the galaxy, James. Hey, I used to write Code Switch. Well, everybody, it's here. It's happening. We're finally doing it. After, like, 5,000 light years of waiting, we're actually <laughs> getting to review Starfinder Ports of Call. <laughs> when did this book actually come out, James? <laughs> oh, don't make me look that up. I, I want to say October, but I think that's wrong. It was September? Uh... Gosh, I, I, I don't remember. Um, I, I feel like this book came out before the OGL June. breakdown, June. right? June of this year? Yeah. Uh, well, 2023. Really? 2023, yeah. It was the last year. June of last year. Okay. Oh, uh, so it's been a hot minute. Uh, we literally, it was like Starfinder news after Starfinder news after James and I doing a big review on like the, the, the field test soldier and having people on getting roasted by thirsty. Like we've been busy. I and know so, enhanced came out and everything en enhanced came out. So like this book just kept getting pushed back, but we're at a lull. You see at the end of this month, scoured stars invasion comes out and James and I are both super excited for that one. Yeah, that, so, I think that's going to be a great into for players to get new new players into Starfinder and to make people maybe um, get a good look at the Starfinder universe through the lens of just one big bad thing, because that's, in general, what drives people into a game system. It's not the intrigue, it's the think of the, oh, look, the big thing, let's work with there. Yeah, I, I, I'm hazarding a guess that, uh, ironically, considering that first edition is over, it is probably going to be a better an introduction to second edition than dead sons was or in first into first edition than dead sons one my mistake but <laughs> yes like i mean like this is somebody who has played dead sons and it had for whom it has a special place in their heart but that that adventure i i don't know if it really sells the concept as well as what scoured stars could be i've played less scour stars than you have james because i know that mm -hmm. you've played and run basically everything yep. but like for me, like that entire the entire like first like two seasons of Starfinder was just like a magical time, and I'm excited that it'll be forever preserved in hardcover form. Yeah, yeah. The the thing about that sounds and why I don't think it's uh, it's good for first time players in that it's simple. A lot of things are very familiar, um, but it is uh, limited in the way that new RPGs are, where they're still testing out the rule set. Um, yeah. Also, there's a lot of uh, setting things that it throws at you and then immediately throws out because uh, they're not important. No. <laughs> So yes. uh, having one consistent <laughs> opponent to go through against the entire uh, adventure path is probably going to be a boon. Yeah, there, there's a lot of weird stuff in, in Dead Suns, that's for sure. But uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves by about a month. We're going to pull it back to Ports of Call. So, James, what is the like, what is the, the on the tin cover selling point of this book? What would you say? Uh, it's the Michelin star guide uh, to ports around apps, not apps on G's. The world of uh, Starfinder, Galaxy of Starfinder. That's a better term. Uh, so it goes over uh, three dozen different ports of call in varying de degrees of detail uh, and gives adventure hooks for each of them. It's, it's, it's a big setting book that does have some character options. Um, probably wouldn't say it's a character-focused fo book, but it has a lot of good options there. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? Did you ever read Distant Shores in Pathfinder 1st Edition? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think this book feels like Distant Shores, where it's just like a bunch of like gateway 
places that your characters could just end up and like have an adventure in. Yeah, because we've had other books like uh like um packed worlds and the and mm -hmm. the vast and stuff like that, but they were so focused on an area that just having this place works. I've had I'd actually Google while I was doing this to figure out where I was in the uh, cosmic disc. Yeah, um, that's actually a really good place to get started uh, with that because I'm actually going to skip the first couple uh, pages of this because when you talk about like Google where I was, one of the things that this book is notable for is it does a lot of work to kind of like connect dots that have been placed throughout Starfinder, right? It's it, it's it's funny because Starfinder first edition does this thing where it'll introduce a place and like it'll say this is a place that exists, but then like you have no idea where it is in relationship to anything else because a galaxy is such a vast area. So one of the things this does is that it gives us a canon name for the galaxy that Starfinder takes place in and it gives us a broad map of that galaxy. Um I, wow, can we bring that up on the screen for the people who are watching live on Twitch? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Cool. That is on page 10-8, I believe, so it's, like, really early. Um, it's called Desna's Path. The idea is that uh, there's a black hole at the center, like most real-world galaxies, and it's a spiral galaxy, so it has arms that of, like, of stellar material that come out of it, and the arms, when viewed in a certain way, kind of look like a butterfly, hence Desna's Path. There's a lot of references to, like, not just Starfinder setting lore, but, like, general Pathfinder universe lore. For example, the black hole at the center of this galaxy is nicknamed, in the packed worlds, Old Rovagug. Uh, everywhere else, it tends to be called the Devourer's Teeth, because, you know, the Devourer is the, 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 the god of black holes and absolute destruction. But in the packed worlds, they call it Old Rovagug, which is pretty fun. Um, there's references to Phrasma with like one of the spirals belonging, uh, being named after her because of her holy symbol being the spiral. Uh, it's, it's good. There's a, there's like a, a, um, a drift lane called Jatami, Jatambe's jaunt named after the founder of the Magambian and arguably one of the most powerful wizards ever to live in the Pathfinder universe. Was there anything about this map or like this galactic setup that caught your interest, James? I mean, the Charge of the Inheritor uh, is a pretty interesting feature where it's just Pabak, and then immediately to Triumph, which is just Space Last Wall, and then Swarm Space. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, it's, that, a, it's a drift lane that was made, uh, I guess, to fight stuff, but it's great. Yeah. One thing that's really interesting is that if you look at this map, you see a lot of different places that are actually in this book, but it also gives you an idea of where like other things are like the scoured stars are on the map. So we could actually see how far the scoured stars actually is from the pack worlds. Like obviously it's not a perfect one-to-one -one ratio, but it looks like it's about twice as far from the pack worlds as like the Vescarian is. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, uh, if you didn't read uh, through the drift crisis, drift lanes are like hyper, uh, paths that go between places that you don't necessarily have to use the west of the wider drift uh, to get into. Yeah, uh, fun story. The adventure that I wrote for Drift Hackers um, into the Dataverse, uh, that resolves the Drift Crisis storyline. And that's the book that says drift lanes are a thing. And it literally says, come to this book to learn about what they are, which is pretty fun. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah, wow, look at this cool thing. Uh, do you think we should talk about drift lanes next? Since I feel uh, like that's going to be an evergreen thing to talk about. I imagine they'll keep those going into Starfinder 2. Yeah, yeah, probably just a brief overview because uh, they're not super. I mean, they're they're very important, but they're not super complicated, I don't think. Yeah, 
So, like, there's this really cool analogy here talking about, like, if the universe is, like, a towel tumbling in a drying machine and, like, the drip crisis is a hole and then the threads become undone and those threads that are still loose are, like, drip lanes. We're, we're going to ignore that. That's a, that's a very fanciful analogy, but we're not going to talk about that. It's basically wormholes, right? The drift yep. is, like, an extra reality plane, and these are, like... um it's like currents in an ocean that like they can get you to a place faster than if you weren't, but the currents have boundaries. Like the best way I can put it is if you've ever seen finding Nemo, it's like how the, uh, the Australian like con uh, continental like current is depicted where it's like this big funnel of like rushing water. Same idea. Yeah. Or the Antarctic space. ocean, how it doesn't mix yeah. with the uh, seas above it. Uh, yeah. Or, or brine pools. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff about here. There's a lot of description about like, what the drift lanes are, what types of dangers there are. Uh, there's actually a whole section for like what it's like to engage in a starship combat in a drift lane. And it talks <laughs> a lot about how like the interior tends to be 10 hexes wide and two hexes thick, which is pretty small. And also it talks about how like you could use ramming weapons to ram your opponent out of the drift lane. And even if they got back in, they might not be at the same point where they exited, which is like a pretty fun way to end a combat. Yeah, when you get out knocked out of a drift lane, there's a very large chance that you just get put somewhere else entirely out of the drift. Uh, just anywhere. Kind of like uh, the infinite probability drive from uh, um, Hitchhiker's Guide. Who knows where yeah. it puts you? Who knows? Yeah, because the idea is, is that a drift lane is a thread connecting one random point in a tumbling towel in the, the washing machine to another random point. And like every second that's changing. Um if you follow the path all the way through, you're pro you're going to get to the place that is like the the designated lane. Like if uh, you take, I believe, um, what is it called? The path of not Ahagni. That's in Pathfinder. The path of I don't know. We'll go to Chambay's jaunt instead. If you take the <laughs> Chambay's jaunt from the Pack Worlds, you're gonna end up in Zybion, the 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 Mahangi based port in this book. But if you fall out, you could end up pretty much anywhere in between, and maybe someplace that's not there altogether. Yeah. Yep. And it, it luck of the draw. Yep. Uh, or unluck in some cases. <laughs> now, and... uh, moving past those, this book has narrations from a couple NPCs. It's pretty fun. There's a Skittermander and a Sheeran. There's a lot of fun banter. Uh, there's a lot of character in this book. They tried to make it feel like a travel guide, which is cool. I like that. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. It adds some, it adds some flavor. Yeah, definitely. There's, like, a lot of, how would you say, high-concept adventure writing stuff in this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some stuff that is uh really trying to get you to make your own adventure path based on, like, a couple very detailed hooks. Yeah, so, like, one of the points that I'm thinking of is there's a section in the book called Galactic Adventuring, where, like, it talks about different about anomalies, and then there's, like, here's some opportunities if you find one, here's some threats, here's some character hooks, maybe as a player you've wanted to study anomalies all your life, and, like, I think, like, this section is good, like, it's certainly fun, but, I don't know, it's it's not my favorite part of the book, what do you think? I think they're, they'll be helpful for people that want to uh, expand uh, their ability to GM games if they don't feel that they uh, have those mental resources or that experience. But 
Uh, if you are somebody that you think has that experience, I think there's other things deeper in the book that'll be more helpful. Yeah, and I and well, the other thing too is like none of these adventure hooks are really targeted towards any of the content in the book. It's very general. It feels like somebody wrote this section and they wanted to write a general GMing guide for sci-fi adventures and not a Starfinder content section. Oh yeah, like um, like a like a sci-fi adventure for dummies. Yeah, kinda, you know, and I I I feel very neutral about it. Like I I feel like there are there are a couple of shorter entries like because uh, one one of, to skip ahead this book is split into like main ports and there's like a good number of them there's almost a dozen if i remember right and then there's like a whole bunch of like smaller travelers toolbox kind of things where like this port only gets two pages or this port only gets one page and like i almost wish that like this entire section was cut and you would just tell me more about one of these cool places yeah yeah because some, just of, the, some like, of those places that have small descriptions are very interesting, but it might just because they're small. Yeah, and I think that's one of the one of one one of my critiques about this book is like sometimes this book feels like it's trying to deepen a whole bunch of different places, like setting material in the Starfinder setting, and that's great. I love that. But then, like, there's a bunch of these random GM guides that are not specific to Starfinder or the content in this book. That makes it feel like this book is confused about whether it wants to be a, set, a campaign setting expansion or whether it wants to be Starfinder or not even Starfinder, sci-fi adventure writing for like a beginner's guide for that, which I, I don't know. I, I I don't think it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's just a thing. And I, I yeah. wish that more was put into Starfinder. I mean, it might just be a thing that's not for us, which is fine. That's true. Not everything in this book has to be for me. I just won't yeah. use it. Uh, there are some species which I think is for everybody. Dude, I love them. Uh, got double oozes. I, that surprised me. Double oozes. Double ooze and giants. I love giants. Yeah. So giants are super cool. Uh, one of the things they get is that they get a subspecies, kind of like how Lashunta have two different subspecies. But like these are fire hill slag and stone giant, and so you could just like pick a different type of giant and be a different type of giant. I think all the subspecies they picked are large because this is only a large giant like and uh i almost said species. ancestry species mm -hmm. yeah uh there's also a cool ability for like using thrown weapons which i think is pretty cool yeah and um, just throwing rocks yeah i do like throwing rocks uh i like this ability altogether one of the things that is pretty cool about expert thrower that i like is most of the ability is kind of like a couple bits and pieces of a couple different feats cobbled together to make this really good ability so like this doesn't feel like a thing that i couldn't do with any character but it feels like a thing that's very giant because it's like a couple different options all put together into one good option does that make sense yeah 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 i totally get you yeah. it makes it usable I, it's, it, I saw it and it was like this is usable most species feats that do attacks aren't super usable yes agreed uh, speaking of things that are usable, there is the uh, cel Salamid? Salamid? Salamid. Salamid. Yeah, let's go with that one. I like that. Uh, they <laughs> are advanced oozes. Uh, their bodies are made of flexible protoplasm within a semi-rigid membrane, and they can like kind of change their shapes up a bit. Uh, they 
don't have a lot of the ooze immunities. They don't get immunity to critical hits. They aren't mindless. Uh, that does mean they get to gain and use skills, though, which oozes actually can't do by default in Star Yeah, I think this yeah. was in um the in Near Space. I think these were written about. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Uh, the best yeah. thing about them is I can't see, so you can never subject them to sight effects. Yes. They are sightless and they get blind sense, which honestly being able to feel, being able to have your whole body wiggle and jiggle and then knowing where things are might be better than regular vision. <laughs> I mean, within 60 feet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I also think it's funny that like one of their racial abilities is just, yeah, if I, if I put you in gear, the goo fills the gear into the perfect shape, which is pretty funny. <laughs> I, I, I just like this idea that you have this Selamid that like, goes to different ports in the ports of call book and like oh look this one is made for vesks look i can fill it like i'm a vest shaped jello mold and look i can fill this one like i'm a cobalt shaped jello mold i just think that's funny <laughs> yeah, I, I like and, them and then you have the fear which is the next ooze one uh with two hit points base uh which is great because they're they're like a gas ooze uh Listen, you, and... you break you pop them and they just all float out it's like popping a balloon <laughs> uh they are amorphous so they do get a similar uh rule to a lot of oozes where they're they don't take double damage from crits they still get crit effects but at least they're not taking extra damage mm -hmm. which is cool yeah and they kind of they look like mr freeze from uh that 1991 batman movie at least this art does they do this art it looks like mr freeze but he's like Raphael from teenage mutant ninja turtles <laughs> <laughs> uh then you have the zilgath which i I'm not sure. Are these uh they're like updated? Yeah, that's they're, what they're, yeah. Yeah. They're Zolgath is like and even in first edition, that is the official like species name ancestry name of what everyone else calls troglodytes. Um mm -hmm. troglodyte is considered like a derogatory term in the Pathfinder universe, like to this <laughs> species. This is their actual species. Kind of like calling a person a troglodyte in real life. Weird. Wow, yeah. So weird. Uh, yeah. So I think these were written up about in one of the Azalanti books. Adventure they might books, have been first. so like the the unfortunate truth is that zolgath are kind of like the like the the kicking the kicking the, the, they're the charlie browns of the pathfinder universe right they exist for lucy to take their ball out from under them true, uh, it, true. It, yeah so like um drow commonly enslave them in pathfinder uh there's an entire adventure path about how um uh Aradin basically stole their magical artifacts from them and then that caused them to wither and die for thousands of years. Uh, basically, oh. I'm sure the Aslanti have done terrible stuff too because Aradin wasn't Aslanti. Yeah, they, they they are just Pathfinders like... Kicking dogs. Uh, yeah, exactly, kicking dogs. And yeah. so it's good to see them with a gun and get, getting their revenge here. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to skip over expanded downtime. There's more downtime options. Uh, yay. Could, could we uh, no? We we need to pause because James and I are playing in a campaign. We're playing a Horizons of the Vast campaign, and like this, none of these really change my opinion on downtime activities, which is they are all so convoluted that they're basically unusable. Yeah, I mean, some of them are fine, but it, it's you you gotta have an outcome with them basically, and you'd have to memorize the system for them. So I think they're fine. Um, yes, I guess not, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna not, stick with my. I've used mine in that game to good effect. I'm sorry. I'm a soldier. I don't know how to do any of these skills. Yeah, you don't know how to carouse, how to train to pass saves easier? Okay. No, I That's don't. I really don't. I'll like, teach I'm you. sorry. Oh, no. Don't. <laughs> uh, that being said, as much as like I, 
again, this is another section that's completely neutral for me, but like as much as I feel neutral about it, one of the best pieces of art in Starfinder is on page 27 in this this chapter. This is like my favorite Starfinder art. Like absolutely my favorite. It is very cute. It is very like homely, like homey and comfy. This is this is the first time I've seen a Kasatha and I thought that they were a real being. Like, like, like <laughs> this is this this is the most expression a Kasatha has ever had in Starfinder or Pathfinder. I don't know that one that sends Starfinders to their death in season one. That that one showed me a lot of emotion. A lot of it was, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, but none apathy. of them was depicted none of them was depicted in art. That's the problem. True, if they true. if they depicted a piece of art of him just sending you to die on an asteroid <laughs> in the middle of space, that'd be fine. <laughs> I feel like Thurston is going to watch this show and immediately know which scenario we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, just the apathy. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it's so great. I know that person hates yeah. me. That's fine. Do you know what's also <laughs> great? I like the starship options, the general ones in this next section. Yeah, they're cool. They're starship options. They are. I like atmospheric bubble because it means you can... It's, it's basically a very cheap... Uh, atmospheric bubble where you can like put gravity and like a breathable atmosphere around your ship so you could just have that cool pirate ship from treasure planet the disney movie where that Mm -hmm. flies through space because now all of a sudden if people like are going to actually fly a starship that's like a regular ship this thing gives them atmosphere maybe that's why the sails work james oh and there's also the wooden the magical wooden holes uh from a place later in this book oh you can do that it's cool it's awesome i love it yeah, uh, I mean, the only thing that I thought was kind of cool was they made a tug, uh, just because I they think it's funny. I, you know what? When your ship breaks down, someone's got to pull you back to port. Exactly, and the arcane rail, which with un- unerring weaponry. Unerring weaponry is good. It allows you just to keep doing things, even if you are bad at rolling. Boom. You I know, you love rail weapons. You just shoot them. Um, yeah, I love unerring weapons, yep. Yeah. So that's the basics of, like, the intro chapter of chapter one. Now we're moving into ports, which... Uh, this is split up into a number of major ports that have like six to eight pages each. Then it goes into a couple of moderate ports that have like two pages each. And then there's like, you get half a page, you get a quarter of a page, you get as much space as we care to put on this one, that kind of thing. Yeah, we we, we could probably spend about a minute and a half on each of these because there's a lot. Yeah, there uh, really they... are. We're, we are not going to go over all of them or else we'll be here forever. Um, let's take a second to talk about some of the standout ones instead, like our favorites. Uh, standout ones as a whole. Uh, God, what's you? You put me on the spot here. How about you go? You first? want me to go first? Yeah, because yeah. I know you. You're not going to want to talk about the obvious one as your pick. So I will. I will make sure the one that we have to talk about is like. You know how, like, sometimes a book will come out and, like, all the fans know something that's in it, and like that is the one thing that everybody wants to hear you say. For, mm-hmm. for this book, it's Galarian World. Yeah. 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 That wasn't my favorite, but it, it is cool. For yeah, no, it's good. Um, I I think it's weird that there's so many greys depicted in the art in this section. Uh, when they're supposed to be a clandestine, like, spe- and species that nobody knows is real. It's kind of like how Drow popped up everywhere in first edition after Second Darkness said that nobody knew that they existed. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> but like, aside from that, like... One of the things I love is that on page 66, they every every port has a map that generally shows uh, the, like how much space it takes up. And those maps vary in how useful they are. But this is the best map in the whole book because they just made it look like the travel brochure of a theme park. It's yeah. so good. Like, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. I, like, I, this at is, first, this I was art. worried about the like proportions. And then I'm like, shut up. Stop thinking. It's just cute. 
Yeah, no. It's like when you go to um it's like when you go to Bush Gardens and all the different like areas in the park are themed around the countries. Of course they're in the wrong order. Like it's they're they're just they're just theme park attractions. Yeah. I mean when I looked at this, my first thought was, man, I drink doing the drinking around Epcot thing would be cool on Galarian World. And then the uh character options they have are about uh drinks that you get from each of these. So uh, whoever wrote this already knows my fantasy and I'm very happy yeah. about that. Yeah, they they knew that you wanted Epcot. Uh, I am a big fan of like the cartoon mascot mascot version of Tarbifon on page sixty seven. That's hilarious. <laughs> like it's great. Uh, and they also have like an actress dressed up as Abigail Thrun on page sixty nine. That's also really funny. Uh, it's basically if you want an idea of what this is, alien powered Disney World. There's like weird warp artifacts here. And they power this replica of Galarian. It exists along a newly formed drift lane. Travelers come here as like a holiday destination. All the actors are made in character. Like every major ruler of historic Galarian has like actors who portray them. Like in this one, it's Abigail Thrun. Um, uh, Princess uh, Eutropa of Taldor is another one that's called out. And I imagine that Anastasia from Irison is probably going to be one too. But it, it's good. It's very fun. If I think that the amount of enjoyment that you get out of Galarian World, it depends on how much you know about and have experienced Pathfinder lore. If you're someone who has never played Pathfinder or doesn't know Pathfinder lore well, this a lot of the jokes are probably going to fall flat for you. But like Mwangi Land has the, the Magambian Academy campus where guests can purchase small magical trinkets and participate in classes that teach them the basics of magic. It's great. Yeah. It's just so good. Yeah, I also do like that uh, it was written without the um, uh, the urge to, for everything to be insidious or somehow terrible. Yeah. Because uh, I think it would be very easy to write it as it's a theme park with secrets. And it's like, yeah, the secrets are the cubes that power everything. But, like, here's the cubes. We don't know what they do. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not no, insidious. Yeah, like, no, the, co it's... the company relations with the employees aren't, like, awful or anything like that. Like, there's a fun little rivalry between company towns where people live. So, like, it, it stayed away from that you know dystopian disney kind of thing which i'm very appreciative of mm, i like dystopian disney but i get that, that, that that's not that's the easy route it's boring that's what i mean it's so easy i've already seen it a million times this just being genuine enjoyment is i think is more entertaining for me that's fair so speaking of things that are entertaining entertaining for you i gave you as much time as i could now you have to pick one you want to talk about uh is it amar is that amar oh uh yeah it's like a relic city for the Ezel goons uh that came back after uh they uh, threw off the uh, yoke of, God, I'm forgetting their names out, the Jinsels, uh, and got their mm. planet back and opened from Kaldrigal, their jealous god. So, so they're they're going back to their old Fallout planet and find out that, oh, there's still some Izalguns here. Uh, and man, they are very different from us who left. So it's about them all trying to get back together and reform a society. There's a lot of other uh, expats from other parts of the Scoured Stars. Uh, and it just, it's one of those places that actually feels like it has a lot of room for adventure because it is this hyper advanced city uh, that is now inhabited by uh, nomadic tribes of people, uh, agrarians, and then the survivors who uh, stayed on the planet during its uh, so, exile. So check my understanding. In Starfinder, when we meet the Ezel goons, they basically have like become Luddite, right? They've, they've, they've eschewed all technology except like the most advanced of their medical supplies and those they keep in like their buried starships that nobody's allowed to see anymore, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So these are Ezel goons that never left to do that, which means they still 
kept all of their crazy advanced technology. Sort of. They're afraid of it because it's kind of advanced and they don't really know how they made it. Uh, so there's some stuff mm. that they're able to make and produce. But uh, the, the ones that were the Luddites are coming back uh, now that their planet is open um, mm. and, and not blocked off. So it's about them trying to um, kind of coexist in this planet that has uh, what they think are horrors that might uh, unleash technological apocalypses or other things, you know, maybe just more boring stuff. Um, there's a lot of different places for adventures here. Um, a lot of different uh, species that are not scoured stars or not, sorry, not scoured stars, not like uh, your Vescardium species or your pack world species. So it's, it's a lot of very interesting, different play. Maybe it's just my preference for the scoured stars as a system. Uh, because it is in such change and such flux, it feels fun. Uh, mm. Also, the Izagun uh, species is a, it's just a fun one to play. They're Gumby. Yeah. They look like Gumby. They Gumby. I like how they can stand as centaur or like all the way up as like massive giants. It's great. But yeah. uh, speaking about things that are boring, there's a, there's a good number of bangers in this section, but there's one that I personally found kind of boring. And I think that as much praise as I want to give all of these sections, it's important to say when like some of them are like, eh, uh, Drift's End for me is the boring one. Um, the, let me be clear. This is very well written. It's very clear whoever wrote it put a lot of care and love and did their best with the concept. But Drift's End is essentially one little neighborhood spindle of Absalom Station. And for me, the fact that this is a place we've already been to and is just a, I hate to say a random deep dive, but like it's a deep dive in a place we already know and kind of didn't need this level of attention. I, I wasn't super interested in this one. I, eh. I mean, it was, it's it's good that it's there, especially if you're doing Starfinder Society stuff, because uh, this is where the Starfinder Society lore star complex is. There is mm -hmm. some interesting tidbits about like services to rent out like sublet apartments from Starfinders while they're out on missions. That's pretty funny. That's true. That is pretty funny. I do. I do like. I, I admit that I do like the Starfinder tie-ins. It's just everything else. I'm just like. Could we have gotten another planet, <laughs> just a different one in the packed worlds, please? No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it like, could have. It might have been. It might have felt better if it was part of an adventure path that had this featured and it went into a lot of this stuff. But yeah. I understand not wanting to put adventure path pages on something like this. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but it, it's there. It's it's fine. Like I said, it's well written, and if you are running an Absalom uh adventure in station adventure, like I think that. This is probably the most in-depth and fleshed out area in the station uh, since it's the most content it has gotten since its Packworlds debut back in 2018, I think was the year that Packworlds came out. So, like, yeah, it's useful. I, I just would have liked something else. I think it's funny that one of the optional problems is called Dinosaur Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I love That's that very... game. Do you remember that game? Yes. Vaguely. I love that game. I wish they'd Very release vaguely. it. Yes. Uh, was there any other of the big ones you thought really needed to be like called out? Like whether it's because the, the, the content was good for like the adventure writing or like the rules are really good that you want to talk about. Because one thing we haven't mentioned is that every single one of these big articles has like two pages of player options that go with it. For example, the uh, the Absalom one has a bunch of different technological items like a paint sprayer and a paint remover. And we talked about uh, uh, Isidemar, which has uh, a couple cool spells like uh, Conjure Grenade and Junk Grenade and Mind Brought Messenger. Yeah, Conjure Grenade's a cantrip. Yeah, 
it, it's it's a competitive cantrip. It's a D4 damage grenade, which is pretty good. Like that's, that's comparable. Yeah, that's a level one grenade, and you can cast it at will. It's good. And the uh, the junk grenades make um, appropriate grenades for their level, but it makes three if you cast them on level or one level lower, you get five. That is a very cost-effective grenade bundle, that is. Yeah, I also at first was like, well, I don't know the top flight application of that, but then I realized you can just take a grenade launcher, get proficiency in that, so you can get weapon specialization, and now you're adding static damage onto it. At least I have to reread. I haven't used grenades in a while. Uh, yeah, I but think being you shot said that weapon does it. I think you said before we started talking about the show that you wanted to talk about Precipice specifically for its player options, no, right? Not Precipice, Outpost Zed. Oh, uh, I thought that the Nanosite ones were in Precipice. No, wait, am I am I tripping on which one? The Nanosite. Oh gosh, ones? there's two different yeah. pages with Nanosite next. <laughs> Nanosites give us more stuff. Uh, Outpost Zed is like a Lex style station. It was an old Aslanti mining laser that uh, eventually became that important. And Brackeem moved in. And while Brackeem kind of make my stomach turn, at least I think they're interesting. Uh, <laughs> with they're they're all Stretch Armstrongs with really. I think they're supposed to make your stomach turn. I think that's I, the intent. They're Stretch Armstrongs, but they're greasy on the inside and outside, and their eyes are this did you, awful. Did you see red. the art of the one in this book where he's not yeah. a Stretch Armstrong? He's a Scrunch Armstrong. Yeah, but he's a hero. <laughs> The, the 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 man ferries refugees from the Atlantis Star Empire. Like he, and Gosh, I just I just want to stay away from him. That's so <laughs> much better than every Bracken we've ever played with at the Philadelphia Lodge. <laughs> All of the Philadelphia Lodges we've ever played with have just been gremlin people, <laughs> disgusting <laughs> wet people. <laughs> but even so, the art just—it's like if I were to shake his hand, I wouldn't like it. Like it'd be too soft. Just it'd be like. <laughs> It'd be squishy like a balloon. I don't know. It, it kind of grosses me out, but that's fine. They're fine. It's fine. Uh, so the reason why the nanosite options excite me is they give you abilities to split up how your cloud works. Uh, if you mm -hmm. have a nanosite cloud, uh, you do have abilities to like make it difficult to range enemies or to exert control in that those areas with things like um, attacks of opportunity. This one specifically allows you to separate it, uh, which you're usually not allowed to do, by one, two, and three uh, squares per level. And there's another one that allows you to make AOPs with an increased range. So mm. there's points where you could be a large creature wielding a reach weapon and this ability where you have a reach of functionally 30 feet. Your thing, your cloud won't reach out that far, most likely, uh, but you can arrange it into a line uh, off of you. That might be 20 feet where that, you know, 20 feet off in the distance if that somebody runs through that square, they're AOPable now. That's very cool. <laughs> and it could be disconnected from an adjacent square. So you could just make a dumb minefield of places where you can AOP. <laughs> the one that I really like that I thought was really cool from this section is the 10th level adaptable augmentations because how that one works is um, you can choose uh, cybernetic augmentations with your gear array, yeah? And this one says, if you choose a cybernetic augmentation with your gear array, not only can you install it into any empty body slot on your body that you want, uh, you can, uh, if it has multiple slots, you could pick multiple. So, like, if you're like, oh, this is normally a leg item, and I have a leg item here, that's fine. I'll put it in my feet. And you're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, the madman, <laughs> the power. I mean, I, I mean, in, if you mess it up enough, a pacemaker would work in your feet. Yeah, yeah. Or if you made it really long and spindly, going from your toe all the way up to your heart. <laughs> uh, there is also a, a one that I just find hilarious. I don't think it's. Per 
I don't think it's uh, competitive, but it's fun. Uh, where you, if you have the uh, obliterating nanites and feasting nanites, I believe, um, it is mm -hmm. an ability that allows you, if you defeat an enemy that is significant, you can stand over the body and have your nanites eat it to regain stamina after the combat. So you can just get yeah. rid of a body. I mean, like, on one hand, that's horrific. Uh, on the other hand, that's situationally useful. And I must be a Kasatha, because on the third hand, that is situationally useful, but not for the hit points. Like, sometimes just getting rid of yeah. a body is helpful. Yeah, I've I've been in multiple uh, RPG situations where it's like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> so yeah. any ability to get rid of those things is a benefit I'm, to me. I'm pretty sure that I've been in a couple of them with you in Way of the Wicked. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I had an NPC that was specifically about getting rid of evidence. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, some other neat things that are cool. Uh, the Shigali station has a capricious cat spell, which is basically mad monkeys, but they're cats. I like that. Is it mad monkeys? It's they, They're just cats that sit around you, and then they have different attitudes, and you can eat them for their attitudes. Well, they explode when you give them, uh, or they get consumed when you use them yes. for their ability. Uh, so you just get these random buffs and debuffs that you could just kind of use uh, as actions, as move actions or reactions. It's just a fun spell. Yeah. It's, I never said it was a good spell, but man, it's entertaining every time. Uh, no, they're pretty good. Uh, they're like re-rolling uh, fear, mind-affecting, pain effect, uh, giving uh, herring fire, covering fire, or doing little attacks for some damage. Mm -hmm. Third level spell makes it a little high for those some of those effects, but it's fun. And it's just, just surrounded by a bunch of cats that kind of just, just don't look at your presence, but help you sometimes. Definitely. Uh, Anduar, the giant city, also has like a big list of feats, and these are not like they're not all. A lot of them are niche, but like all of them are pretty good in their niche. I like yeah. most of them. Like uh, distant hurler is good; it increases the range of any thrown weapon that you attack with. I like that. Gimme. Impressive flex is pretty funny. You can attempt. It's basically dazzling display, but with like silliness factor because you're going ha ha ha. Oh yeah, counter grapple. <laughs> yeah, counter grapple's not. You know what? Counter grapple is one of those things where like it's not great because it's very specific. But like in the specific situation that your GM is constantly grabbing you and trying to eat you, you, you it is like the no, you don't counter grapple, and it's literally just like a plus two bonus or whatever. No, but no, you're you're missing the grand picture of it. As a reaction, after a creature successfully uses the grapple oh, against you but doesn't pin I'm you, I'm thinking you of muscular retort. Right, yeah. you interrupt their turn to counter their grapple. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very good. Um, yeah, I think they're I think they're niche, but they're fun. I like them. Uh, um, and I think there was one more section that I wanted to talk about. I don't remember which one it was because there's a really cool like recall knowledge based archetype. There are two archetypes in this book. One of them is called Deep Delver, which is mostly about like fighting and being proficient underground. And there is a second one. Uh, it's with the it's with um, uh, ja, J Javorn, I think mm -hmm. is its name. It's called Expert Chronicler, where like they give you a free data pad, and as long as you have the data pad, you automatically remember all events that you have witnessed yourself because you chronicled it, and you can also uh, attempt a knowledge uh, recall knowledge checks untrained, and then you can also use like the info sphere to better recall knowledge which is pretty yeah, cool to, to re reattempt checks and stuff like that that you've missed also the ability just to take items out like the vigilante yeah. power from pathfinder yeah it's very good 
it's basically a loan because you have to pay it back, which is meh. But it's it's especially when you get higher in levels, you're getting to the point where you can buy something like a like a white nano hypo white hypo nanite pen, which is something that would be like a restoration, which especially at higher levels is going to be useful. Yeah, especially when like the value goes up and like like the, the the number amount of money you have goes up, but then like the items like still stay in their relative power. Like I think that would be a good one. I I think that this is the type of thing where like if the Starfinder developers are looking for options to mine for skill feats, I think a lot of these would make good skill feats. Uh I think that they are useful, but like maybe not giving up a major class feature because like you're losing your ability at second, fourth, sixth, ninth, and twelfth. That's like basically every selectable class option from second level up to twelfth level. Unless you're using and- enhanced and you get free archetypes. That's true. If you're using Enhanced and you get a free archetype, this is immensely better. Yes, yes. A lot of these things make a lot more sense in the context of, oh, there'll be eventually something where you can just ignore losing your class features. Yes, agreed. Now, um, we've talked a bit about the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 different major like ports. From here on out, uh, from Bulwark all the way down to the Vault of Vorlath, they get like two pages each. Mm-hmm. they're much less in depth but and there are no player options to go through anymore. yeah but bulwark is fun it's 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 just the place uh in front of the swarm it's basically the 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 castle of last wall in front of uh yeah. the world wound or whatever or last wall is probably fun but you know it would be really funny if they end like second edition by exploding bulwark in the exact same way that they exploded last wall in tyrant's grasp i was just looking at this your maximum item level is 13 that's not very high. No. <laughs> I I also think it's kind of fun. Like I I think that someone was like, yeah, this is space last wall. Like, what? So like the specialty item is they can get holy weapon fusions up to twentieth level. But like, why? Like this is against the 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 swarm. Like holy. Like most of those things aren't inherently evil. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's a there's a small one of the smaller ones here that has like two thousand people that has a maximum item level of twenty the whole time. It's like what? a research station. Yeah. What is it? Seattle in space? Uh, uh, I'm gonna have to find it now. I was remembering these things off the top of my head. That's fair. Ah, it's so like some of them are uneven. Like it, it would it might make sense if it was like depicted as a place that like didn't have stuff, which it kind of doesn't, but it's on a pretty like not a lone route and it's doing something that's pretty important so it's kind of weird that it's relatively undersupplied here yeah. we go Locus, it's called locust one is the name of the uh the station oh there. that's that's the one that liberation oh this is actually one of the ones i don't like okay mm-hmm. so like this locust one was not introduced in this book it was introduced in liberation of locust one a, a starfinder adventure uh that's the that's the adventure that the healing guns came from you know where we talked oh, about oh like, yeah, yeah 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 and if you look under adventure hooks, it literally says li- liberation of Locust One, and it doesn't cite the fact that they actually made that adventure. That <laughs> I, like like that. Why? <laughs> like I I don't think that that angers me. Is is it just confuses me? You you literally made this Paizo. Why? <laughs> like by the way, we made this for you. Go play it. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny that way, but I was just like, I was just like looking through these, and I was like, wait, these people, these two thousand people or three thousand people, have twentieth uh, level items, and yeah, yeah, okay, okay, 
Well, the reason is because in that book, the locust crystals and the locust weapons that are canonically from Locust One go all the way up to like seventeenth item level. Uh, I don't understand why it says the specialty item level is seventeenth, but the maximum is twentieth. Like, like that—that's not specialty. Like that's actually worse than your regular baseline. Uh, I don't know. Maybe locust weapons aren't regularly perf- uh, available. Maybe I don't. Know. Maybe oh wow. <laughs> oh well, you know what? It's fine. Like I said, uh, I some like, of, some I, of these are are uneven. <laughs> yeah, I like. There are a couple of them that were like they give me and a description of what these cities are, and I'm like, why couldn't I have seen art of this? Like the very next one, Midios, sitting atop a Titanic, meandering ooze. How oh does this God. work? How it's does a... it work? Why does it not sink into it's the ooze? So... It's so cool. They build platforms through it, I guess. That's what they say they do, and it's great. It's because the planet kind of sucks and is always overturning, so you can't build permanent structures. But you just build yes. it on the absorbing ooze. Yes. Uh, the Ravel station is pretty cool. Apparently, they have a way to, like, pull energy into the material plane from the maelstrom, the the the, the chaotic swarm of like, where, like, proteins live and stuff. I think that's cool. Um, I'm a fan. I think it's funny that uh, that uh, Ilseta Wormtouch apparently has a, des- a descendant in this book. Uh, she's a NPC insert of a Pathfinder writer who's now apparently here too. Cool, I guess. I don't know. I, I noticed that. I solved that. I saw what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the art was pretty. Oh, the art, the art of her is great. Uh, I, the, the, the workings of it confused me a bit. Uh, but I liked that one of the places was Beep Boop Arcade because I'm a simple man. Is it actually called Beep? Yeah, it is Beep Boop Arcade. <laughs> yeah, I'm a simple man. Just give me dumb listen, names and I'll probably like it. Listen, listen, listen. They're, they draw energy from the maelstrom. I don't think they understand how it works either. It's fine. Beep Boop. <laughs> uh, Skydock is fine. I like that. I, I just Sky- think that Skydock <laughs> is a good name. Skydock just feels like a Call of Duty uh, campaign setting. Well, there is an entire adventure hook here called Bad Sportsmanship that does feel very Call of Duty. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, it's just maybe it's a fighter pilot man or something like that. Just, it's just giving me just like gray I, shooter vibes. I guess like what gets me is that so many of these like small two page ones are like so esoteric and occultic in like their scope like i was my city is built on top of a giant meandering ooze my city draws energy from the uh maelstrom my city is a plane phasing city run by an unlikely outsider alliance like i I kind of wish like those were the ones we got like all the big infos on like that's cool i know i like this art of this demon with the gun the glaber zoo i love him yeah he's he's a very good devil Demon. And then he's um, a demon, get it right. That you're right. That's true. Uh, he would have killed me for calling him a devil. Uh, he might have <laughs> just killed me anyway. But probably. Uh, then after that, um, we get like it's about two pages of like types of settlements in terms of like what their their deal is. So like one of them is accord points. So most of them are about like unities of of different species or like so like one of them in that one exception is called uh, Yajou which is a tropical resort for the living and the undead. It's an accord of living and death. Cool. And you get other stuff like this one for magic ports, religious ports, and tech ports. Uh, I Is there any you wanted to go over specifically for any of those? 
uh, last call because they gave it art and it looks like an Imperium of Man warship from 40k and I, I'm so digging it. It's, yeah, uh, I think that's that's the style of um, Ayamade and the Knights of Galarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 like a relic Larry like gothic style. So like it's not. Oh no, they're copying. I mean, it's just it's just mm -hmm. a good style. Uh, no, it's a good style. I but agree. it's it's a it's a great ship that just goes around and it's like enforce the order. Ah, uh, enforce yeah. the order. I love it. I love it too. Uh, I also like chapter three because chapter three is mostly like subsystems and other things that GMs can do to try to sell different types of adventures at these ports. Very fun. Yeah, the um, cargo system. I don't know if you use that in Fly Free or Die. Yeah, it's it's it looks like I, I'm I haven't read it hardcore. I played the first like two and a half books of Fly Free or Die with uh, Leo Glass. And uh, and also Vanessa was there. Vanessa was great. Hi, Vanessa. I hope you're watching. Anyway, um, I think this is basically the same rules. There, I think there's a little bit of expansion because it's mm -hmm. definitely longer. But it's if you've played fly or read Fly Three or Die, this is basically the same rule set, which is good. Gotcha. It reminds me of like taking Kingmaker and take taking the kingdom building out of Kingmaker and putting it in Ultimate Campaign. <laughs> it reminds me of the piracy rules from from uh, Skulls and Shackles. I think that's I think that's accurate. I think it's very similar. Yeah. And then uh, beyond that, uh, there's like whole rules for like different types of, I guess, free traders and people of interest. So like contacts. Uh, yeah, contacts. That's a good way to put it. Uh, there's a good a good spread of different people. You've got a goblin. There is a. They're called Ifrits in Starfinder. Pathfinder just changed them to the Nolly, I think, because uh, you can't use Ifrit. I don't remember. There's like an OGL orc reason. And then you have like, there's a Sheeran, there's a Strix. Like there's lots of, there's a lot of good spreads of different people. I that like Skittermander's got like crazy fangs. And I think he looks he like Sonic. Kill someone. That Skittermander <laughs> looks like Sonic. Sonic the Skittermander. Also Mr. Othay, I love him. He looks like a ghoul from Fallout and he's amazing. He's probably a reference to that, isn't he? Isn't there a Mr. Wednesday in, in Fallout? Oh my god, he might be right. Either way, he's amazing. He just he just like hunts down people to get his stuff back. Yeah, because Oath Day is Wednesday in Pathfinder, Starfinder. I think that's yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think that's a reference to him. Yeah, you're I didn't even catch on that. Also yeah. the surprised uh uh mongoose here or surprised uh <laughs> that Brunieri. Brunieri. Th that that was Raka before her husband got brutally murdered in, in Signal of Screams. Such good art, and the the artist. I don't know what <laughs> what, what species is uh, Ayuvli Ivy, Ivy. Uh, I don't. It's is that said, a Lashunta? She, I think it's a Lashunta. She looks like a Lashunta. If I skim it, it says a household name throughout Castravel. So I'm yeah. guessing it's from it's a Lashunta. It definitely doesn't tell you though. Yeah, yeah. Which it doesn't tell you about be, the Strix one either. Yeah, which might be difficult for like if you if if someone who has like a visual impairment is trying to read this with like a text reader, they're just not gonna know. <laughs> just just kind of figure it out. Just make it up. It's fine. Also, I love all the trucks because they look like horrible, terrible, screaming monsters, and they're just really nice guys. Yeah, we're actually pretty okay. I like how like the Mari, the professional traveler, she's just like I don't know what she's eating, but she makes it look like it's very good. This is one of my favorite pieces of art I've seen in so long. This just looks like a National Geographic candid photo or something like that. Of just like a yeah, I love good. it. It's I like this. The book starts. I think this is the first piece of individual art, and it is so good. It is such a banger. This is yeah. on there with like the art of uh, Navasi uh, holding those pistols from last book from Enhanced. Yeah, that's it's, it's so your good. favorite art in this one. 
Uh, okay. If you go on the next page for, uh, it starts with um, side jobs. Anybody who has gotten like uh, Fly Free or Die or like a couple of the recent adventure paths, if they put side quests in them called side jobs uh, for things you can do. And this book has four side jobs to conclude the chapter. Uh, the first side job, uh, you cannot, t- I, 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 I don't remember which, uh, a Karasha, Lashunta. First of all, I love this because like they describe the Karasha Lashunta as being like extra hairy and like thicker and like the art doesn't do a good job of like showing that detail very often they usually like the 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 two sub races usually look exactly the same uh this art of this woman matches it perfectly also in my head canon uh she speaks in a minnesotan accent she looks like (laughs) she she just she looks like she looks like her her accent is minnesotan to me Uh, she's just so happy zookeeper accent yeah, yeah, like somebody that spends their time just like talking about animals behind them in like a loud voice. You yeah, ever, you yeah, ever meet fair. people that can't turn off presenter mode? Like those type of people. That's fair. Like we we have a friend like that. Yeah, yeah. We, we were at his <laughs> wedding. <laughs> and then um, uh, there's also a horrific picture of an akata being birthed from its uh its star its no quill cocoon. Uh, I like that. Uh, and yeah, I these jobs are good. Like. It's two encounters, couple of like information on how to get there, what the job is, what the reward is. Like if you've seen the side jobs before, this is the same and the rules look good. Like it's a mini adventure on two pages. Yeah, I kind of wish they'd give you the stat blocks, but I guess I assume you're running something, you have access to that book. Yeah, bring it up fair. yourself. Bring it up bring it up in the wiki or something like that. But listen, not, listen, not wiki they, on Aeon. They, they stat out the traps for you. That, that is that's good. all you need. I, yeah. I hate looking up traps. I'd, r- I'd rather look up uh, monsters than traps. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, there's a very nicely illustrated uh, index that tells you where you can find all the different options. I like I like this index. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, some of the indexes are just walls of text, which make it hard. But this is, you know, there's good yeah. visual. Uh, oh, I need to go here. Sorry. I'm, I'm just also coming from Battletech, uh, where looking in the back of the index is immediately helpful, but super overwhelming because it's six-point font. Of very technical words that are all the same. So this this is a breath of fresh air for me. Yeah. Very good. Uh also, uh that's that's a summary of Ports of Call. We did it. We got through the whole book and it didn't take us 15 minutes above time. What did you think, James? I think it's a I like the book. Um I will be digging back in to get a little more in-depth with some of the worlds. Um I think there's some parts that flesh out um lore-wise what you might want from certain characters in certain places. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if it's a player you'd want to buy this book in specific um there are a couple of good options um i don't think any of them really make or break your build especially with some stuff that came out later with enhanced and how they redid starship yeah. combat again um but as a somebody who's trying to get other people into the setting as somebody who maybe runs some of the games this might be very helpful for filling in those gaps and there's some fun places to set up your own adventures if you're like wondering what do i do in this setting yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I think that this book, like, if you're a new GM looking to run Starfinder, this probably isn't your first stop. You probably want Pack Worlds. But, like, if you're a GM who is looking for ideas on things to do, you're looking to set out your own campaign setting, you know a lot about, like, the core of what Starfinder's story is, this is a good expansion. This feels like 
almost like an advanced game master's guide so much to, like there's like a lot of there's a good mix of different places to go people to see stuff to do items to go along with it different subsystems to really flesh it out along the way it's solid i definitely think it's good i think there are a couple places like i mentioned earlier where this book isn't sure what its purpose is and I think that it could have used a little bit more refinement into like being a, a tool to know more about the Starfinder universe and less of a general thesis on how to run a spacey game. But mm -hmm. in general, those types of sections have been sort of my um, critique of a lot of like the the later Starfinder books, like Galactic Magic and stuff too. So like if you like that kind of stuff and it sounds like you would enjoy it, I think that. It's a good pick. I would I would definitely recommend getting it up, picking it up. Uh, if you're a player and you're looking for options, enhanced is probably what you want more. Yeah, I, I will also say I don't think there's any Starfinder book that isn't good to have. I think Starfinder First mm -hmm. Edition is a very good and fun game, and everything that comes with it together uh, is great. I don't think we're at a point where people are inherently like having to choose between stuff very often. Um, so like, I feel like just just getting the whole collection uh to protect yourself in case uh 2e might not be what you want it's probably a good idea yeah. i oh i agree completely um i think that starfinder in general is much better at making books that there that there's at least a reason for everyone to pick up uh, it's not something that um pathfinder 2e does quite as well uh you'll get giant bestiary books that have no reason for players to buy them unless they're like summoning a monster or something. So I, I prefer this. I think that books are cooler when they feel like they're holistic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this does touch on a lot of things. Yeah. Speaking of things that are holistic, uh, I wanted to take the last like minute or two that James and I have left to acknowledge that since our last show, the field test three play test, not quite a play test document has come out. I don't think James and I are going to dedicate a whole episode to this one because if you are familiar with Pathfinder 2nd Edition, uh, this really isn't anything new. Like this, it shows that Ancestries and Starfinder are going to use the same essential rules. Uh, like the, the two Ancestries that ended up getting picked were Android and Vesk, which uh, those were not the ones that I personally picked, but I think that these were a good two to get to see, to kind of like get a feel for what uh, ancestries would look like james remind me what did you vote for again that yours were cool right i think it was andrew and barathu yeah so you, so you got one of the two that you liked mm -hmm. um so i compared a bit of this to the uh, the uh android and pathfinder second edition the core like statistics like hit points and stuff are basically all the same there are uh unique heritages for the android and not every single uh ancestry feat is new but like most of them are themed around how androids are presented in starfinder which is good if you are a fan of the vesk especially uh i one of the things that i noticed immediately uh having written a whole bunch of the vesk options in character operations manual uh the, this this field test did a much better job than anything i've ever seen from second edition in for pathfinder in taking old concepts from the first edition and translating them into second edition uh one of my personal thoughts is that it can be frustrating to jump from first edition pathfinder to second edition pathfinder because you feel like your entire character is gone because there are not easy translations for a lot of things like 
talking about everything from alternate racial traits to classes to sometimes even entire races and ancestries just don't exist yet. And here you kind of get a look at this and like not only are they conceptually the similar, but in a lot of places they have the same names. One good example is that the Venom Thought Vesk is an Venom Thought is an, an alternate racial trait in character operations manual, and it's now an ancestry here in this field test. I think that uh, overall, this is a really good direction in order to move to make sure that there's a logical bridge from the old edition to the new edition. And there's just a lot of cool stuff that's neat. One of my favorite things is uh, there's a ton of Vesk feats that are based around being blessed by Diamertash, which is pretty fun. Hmm. I'll take your word yeah. for it. Definitely. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, when we get this out in, um, gosh, probably Gen Con this year, that uh, James and I will be able to sit down and like play some play tests together with some of our friends and talk about the experience kind of thing i I'm, I'm looking forward to it i think it'll be good yeah I'm, I'm not a huge fan of pathfinder second edition but i'm more than willing to give games a try um, yeah you know you, 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 my taste may change and this is a different game even if it is compatible truth truth and who knows maybe we'll we'll be extra spicy and like let you pick stuff from second edition pathfinder too so you can make complex intricate characters Maybe, maybe. Or you could just play a Vesk who beats people up. That's fine. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on No Direction Beyond. Uh, we would love to hang out with you more. So if you enjoyed this show, please go to nodirectionpodcast.com. Uh, there you can read all sorts of different articles that our wonderful blog writers have posted. Also, we put links to all of our podcasts up there, so trying to make it easier for people to find. There's also a link on the right-hand side that'll take you to our Discord. Our Discord is a place uh, that's super chill, lots of fun games and gamers to talk to. So if you want to talk Starfinder with anyone from me to James to anyone else in the Discord... Uh, Feel free to pop in on and hop on by. We work really hard to keep that a really positive uh, place for good discussion. And uh, James, do you have any shout outs you want to make? Uh, I want to shout out to uh, Mirror Wolf and Lava Bean for hanging out with me and chatting. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Remember, we 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 record this show live. Uh, we try to have it out like our notices out better, but this one was a little bit rocky. Um, for those of you who actually none of you know, I don't think James even knows. Uh, I am trying to get a certification in my behavioral health field, and between the time I started and the, where I'm at now. Uh, the task list that I need to sit for the examination changed. So I had to go back to school for three classes and I have to take all three of them now because the, the, the classes are going to be phased out. The requirements won't change for the task list, but the class is, is preparing to change for like 10 years in the future when the next time the task list changes. So mm -hmm. I was basically like, guess I, guess I got to basically be a full-time student for a semester out of nowhere. Uh, so I'm a little bit discombobulated right now, but usually I try to have everything out a little bit quicker. This time was just slow. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I mean, usually we get the podcast up by Mon by the following Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, glad we could uh, be here today. I always ping the Discord, though. So if you're typically available Wednesday nights and you turn on those notifications, when we're ready, I'll ping. We're getting ready to start now. And then if you drop everything, you can always join us here <laughs> at No Direction Beyond. But only if you go beyond with No Direction. <laughs> That was the clunkiest I've ever done it. I'm so sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>